Welcome to this episode of the NCEA RISE podcast. NCEA RISE is our family of religion and community assessments, assisting schools and parishes in the advancement of Catholic identity and mission. I'm your host, John Galvan, and I serve as Vice President of Assessments for NCEA. Today, our guest is Deacon Scott Conway. Deacon Scott was ordained in 2011 and has served in four dioceses, Rockville Center, Brooklyn, St. Petersburg, and now in St. Augustine. In these, ver- in these different stops, he's had different ministries, such as seminarian, teacher, principal, and now as superintendent. He currently oversees the 38 education entities of the Diocese of St. Augustine as the Bishop's Delegate to Education. Welcome, Deacon Scott. It's so great to be with you, John. I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to join you in your podcast and to talk a little bit about the great things that are happening in the area of assessment. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, Deacon Scott, you and I first met, I believe, at the Catholic Leadership Summit. Um, you you were part of the, the mass celebration, and I gave a, I gave a, a short overview of NCA Rise, and then you know our heads came together, and I think we became pretty fast friends. So, uh, it's wonderful to have you. So, we're going to jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your work, about your current position, and a little bit about Saint Augustine. Well, you know, John, uh, as a deacon, my my work varies a lot between my role as superintendent and, and my ministry as a deacon and being involved in, in so much of diocesan life and parish life that uh, here in the Diocese of St. Augustine, I'm, I really touch upon a lot of different factors that, that take place throughout the diocese and uh, really enjoy that. But my current role as superintendent, of course, keeps me centered on, on the area of education and trying to make sure that we're providing the best formation and education that we can throughout all 38 entities here in the Diocese of St. Augustine uh, un- under the superintendent's office. You know, it's uh, we're made up of 17 counties. Uh, those 38 entities are spread out uh, in Northeast Florida. Uh, so th- there's a challenge sometimes of even trying to get to every entity, right? Because there's such a distance and span uh, in our travels. Uh, but it's an amazing place to minister, amazing history here in St. Augustine. And we can build on that here in our diocese to really help form the next generation to be those great witnesses and disciples, uh, moving our church forward, but also being great citizens in our country. That's wonderful. You touched on something I think that is, I think, really intriguing about um, your perspective, because it really comes from two places. You're both an ordained minister and you're a, an experienced educational leader. Um from those lenses, and you mentioned, you know, the importance of passing on the faith to the next generation. We are the the current torchbearers, right? And and we have to pass pass that torch along to the next generation. And you know, according to the to the church, we have to do that without error. We have to do that with te- with integrity. What do you see as the greatest challenges of passing on the faith right now to our kids? You know, I think one of the greatest challenges we face is really parental involvement, uh, bringing the family unit together uh, because everybody's stretched so thin. Families are running in different directions. And it's so hard when in the past we were able to form the family. Uh, now it's getting harder and harder to form the family and we're spending just so much time with the student, but then they go home and that formation isn't always um, developed further in the home because they don't actually know what's going on uh, in, in, the, in the life of their children because they're, they're just in, not capable of having that experience because they're so busy either two jobs or, or trying to, to manage different aspects of their life that takes them, they're at work in the night and their children are at school uh, during the day and they, they just don't get enough time together. 
I think the family dynamic has really hindered uh, how we educate and form the next generation. And in some ways, really is, is preventing us from uh, really expanding that knowledge and Catholic identity uh, in ways that could be uh, multifold. If we could just get everybody in the family unit together and on the same page and formed in the right direction. I, I really think that's, the, that's our biggest challenge today uh, when it comes down to uh, forming the next generation in light of what we have. I and mean, we have great schools, we have great educators. Uh, of course, there's challenges even in, in making sure we're able to find educators today, as we know there's such a shortage um, in educators, but we work so hard to make sure we have those people and they're well-formed so that they can pass it on. But those challenges of that family dynamic, I think are a struggle for us today. How do, how, you know, I was asked this question recently, um, I was being interviewed and I, I was, I was a little stumped, you know, in terms of how do we do that? I, I suggested, you know, you, we really need to take a stacked approach to engaging families and meeting them where they're at. I remember growing up uh, in El Cajon, California, we had a our little church, Holy Trinity. There was always something going on. And there was, you know, things going on that would meet us where we were at as teenagers. And we would hang out at the church because it, that's where our friends were. And, mm-hmm. um, and our parents were involved. You know, my, my dad and my mom would work the, the jamboree, you know, <laughs> the annual jamboree was a big deal. How do we yeah. engage families deeper? I, I think our, one of our biggest challenges right now, um, is, is the accompaniment piece. What, what are we offering? Um, especially in our in our parish life, um, to attract families to be engaged at the parish community. Um, you know, we can do a lot at our schools, uh, but our schools are, are places of, of education and formation uh, during the week, but we need something in which they're engaged in the evenings and on the weekends, and they really needs to be more drawn to parish life, not so much at our schools, but in the parishes. Um, and how, do, how can we uh, what are we offering at our parishes that, that attracts them, right? Are we offering something that is, uh, that, uh, that's attractive to people to say, hey, I want to be a part of maybe this, this youth group or, or this, uh, this family training um, a, a, as a family at the parish um, or, or some sort of social events. Uh, but what are we doing to say to people, we, we want you, we want to engage you, we want you to be a part of our community. Um, I think that's one of the struggles we're facing right now, uh, as as not just as a diocese, but as as a nation, um, right. is is how right. how do we engage them and bring them in in a culture in which they're so absorbed by social media, their phones. Um, I, I'm not even sure sometimes that people talk to each other at home um, because everybody's so engaged in in this world of of electronics that I think sometimes they miss out on what's really important. And that's engaging one another in relationship. And I, I think if you were to pick any anything out of out of uh, what we work at as Catholics, it's really about relationships, right? It's about building the connections between one another. Um, that that would that would be, I think, the starting point um, in order to gather people back to our churches and to really help form them in a true identity as Catholics. Is we need to first work on the grassroots of that those relationships with the pastors, with the parish community, with the parish staff, um, really working collaboratively as one voice. uh, And that's the voice of Jesus. 
You said a lot there, and I agree with with everything that you just offered. Uh, you started by talking about accompaniment, and I know I've I've dug pretty deeply into the research on religious disaffiliation in our country, and it's something that really concerns me. Mm-hmm. But one of the keys to uh, untangling that that dilemma is accompaniment, uh, the presence of trusted adults in the lives of our kids to listen and to lean in makes all the difference. And with that, um, cause you work with kids both at the parish level and at the, at the school level, what do you see as the hope in our kids today based on your experience? I, I think their, their, their hope or their vision is they're, they're looking for truth. Um, but I think sometimes they get stuck in some of the fake news and propaganda that, that exists, that appears to be the truth. Um, but they're really looking for the truth. And if we could help them understand that the church in its rich tradition of these, of these centuries has the truth and that we could help them better understand where they are in their life and where their life's going, if they could see that the valid truth is right here. We, we have it. Uh, we have it in scripture. We have it in the teachings of the church. We, we have what is the truth. Um, and if, if they could recognize that, I think they would turn more towards the church. But I think the challenge right now is that, um, that they don't necessarily see the, the church as the truth. Um, uh, sometimes I think they might even see the church uh, as an obstacle. But I think it's part of, of what they're seeing uh, in the world, what they're seeing through social media, through TV, um, all, all those different different services that that are, are, are in front of them. Um, I think that that's taking control over what they they might think is the truth when it, it really isn't. But I think the I, truth is what our children are thirsting for. Yeah. And, and you said it, the truth is, is Jesus Christ. And, and we who have traveled this path for a long time, we know the, the transformative encounter with Jesus, what that means. And, you know, it, it, it builds a fire within us, you know, a fire of God's love and joy that you just can't help but spread it. And that's the irony. It grows when you, when you give it away. Um, so I, I thank you for that. Um, as I was listening John, to you, I was, I was you know, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, you know, uh, you know, I often tell people uh, that that being Catholics is actually about being joyful, and and being joyful is contagious and it spreads. Uh, so we need to really become very joyful people about what we believe in because it will spread. Amen. Um, I've been accused of being a joyful person. Angela Dinger from Sadlier Publishing, she teases me. She goes, where, where does your joy, like, you're always so joyful. I go, joy is a choice, and it comes from the Lord. Because let's face it, friends, yeah. life is hard. Life is hard, and the sooner we can get over that, the sooner we can get on with living. Um, but what I was going to say is I was listening to you, Deacon Scott. I, I recalled a quote from one of the Pew Research Studies on disaffiliation. It was This one was probably about maybe 10 years ago, maybe less. Uh, a teenager said, life is cooler than God. And that speaks to what mm. I think you were sharing, that it's there's a lie being 
prop, you know, promulgated out there about what's going to bring value and purpose to their lives. But, you know, as a young adult, I went down that road and I, I ran into a brick wall and it's no, um, it's no surprise that I did a 180 and ended up right back where I started. And that was within the Catholic church. But as I used to teach my seniors in religion class, it's easy to believe in a God you've been taught to believe in, but it's easier to love a God that you've discovered yourself, that personal encounter. So thank you for that. Um, speaking of that, I know um, in, in getting to know you, your life has taken you down some paths that maybe you didn't expect. And tell us about that journey and, and who or what made the difference for you. Yeah, you know, my, my journey uh, started off very different than where I am today, that's for sure. Uh I, I thought I was going to be a priest and spent almost 10 years uh, in the seminary uh, and then left at the very end, almost being ordained a priest uh, and took some time off. And uh, my life, you know, took a different direction. You know how how God writes with crooked line. Next thing you know, I I met somebody and ended up uh, getting married, you know, um, having kids. And then I became an educator. <clears throat> I was a, I was a teacher. I taught ethics. Um, and then uh, from there was was asked to, to lead a school and become a principal. And, uh, you know, life life just kept taking me in different directions. And uh, I always loved education. I was I was loved uh, uh, even being a student in the world of education back back in, in my my days in school. Um, and then, you know, basically went, went to college for for 12 years, you know, a, after I finished uh, my regular uh, K through 12 education. Uh, but. But my journey kept changing and get just I kept getting called, you know, God kept calling me in a different direction. And I, I, I think a lot of people experience this in their lives. Right. Just like you. And and uh, I was then called to move to Florida to St. Petersburg. And I had a, had the pleasure of working in St. Petersburg uh, for a number of years and in, in different schools uh, down in St. Pete. And and then was uh, very blessed uh, and asked to come over here and be the superintendent of the Diocese of St. Augustine, which really has been a blessing for me. And, and I hope in some ways I've, I've been a blessing to, to the people here in, in the Diocese of St. Augustine, because, you know, when, when that collaboration can happen in that journey, you know, as, as you, as you build these experiences, then be able to share those, that wealth of those experiences with others. Uh, that's really, I think what, what the journey is about. I think that that's really what God calls us to be, uh, is to be that accompaniment and, and to be a really good, a uh, uh, really good person to journey with. It helps to have some journey, right? So I, I know a lot of people, uh, especially young people, uh, you know, they, they want to think that they know it all and they're ready to go. Uh, but as you and I both know, uh, the more experience we have, the more we, we realize what we don't know. Um, and, and the stuff we do uh, and the stuff we've learned and the stuff we've gathered and, and the information that has really formed us, hopefully we each use that as a gift a gift to help other people discover God and discover Jesus. And in my journey as, as uh, it wasn't always what I thought it was going to be. And some of those transitions were harder than I thought they were going to be. Um, I, I, I appreciate every one of them along the way. I appreciate all those years I spent in the seminary. I've had people say to me in the past, my gosh, you wasted all those years in the seminary. And I say, absolutely not. All those years in the seminary is what formed me to who I am today. Um, right. My life with my family now, that, that's forming me today to be the dad, the husband, um, 
all these all these different aspects really have have changed the way I I look at things, the way I talk to people, and and honestly, I think that um, these journeys and these these uh, detours that God gives us uh, really is is really to help us. But at sometimes I think it is also we're being called to minister to a different group of people who needs us now, and God and the Holy Spirit has has moved us in those directions, really to help that next group. Um, so so again, uh, I'm in St. Augustine now. I I'm, in my mind, I think I'm going to retire here, but I don't know what God has in store for me, right? I, I think I'll be here until I, I reap a, uh, reach a ripe old age and I'm uh, ready to retire, but I don't know. God might call me at another direction, and I, I think we all have to be open to that in this journey. We have to be open to the fact that sometimes we're not where we um, are going to be staying forever and that God's going to call us yet to a different a different um, experience, whether that's a, a change in what we're doing or a change in where we're doing it. Uh, there's reasons why that happens. And I'm, I'm thankful that God has, has made those calls along the journey for me and, and kind of given me those different aspects to, to engage other people. So that's, uh, that's just my nutshell on my journey and, and kind of <laughs> where I am and why I think that makes a difference. But there's been so many people on that journey who have impacted me, formed me, and changed me. Um, to even name one or two would, would be almost impossible because there's just been so many great people over the years who have been there and, and at times helped me as I cried or gave me a hug when I needed it or a pat on right. the back and, and just kept going forward. And I'm, I'm so grateful for all of them. So part of your fire was fueled by accompaniment as well. And, you know, something, you know, something we say at NCA is we can only grow what we measure. And that's a great segue to NCA Rise, Deacon Scott. And maybe from your perspective, why is it important? to assess religious knowledge. I used to have my, maybe like you in your ethics class, my kids would say, hey, my, my faith is personal. You can't give me a grade, Mr. G. Like, oh, yes, I can. It's called doctrine. You either know it or you don't. Um, but why is it important to assess religious knowledge as well as what our kids actually think and practice with regard to the faith? And of course, I'm, I'm referring to our ACRE assessment, the Assessment of Catholic Religious Education for Youth. Why is it important to assess? Yeah, John, I, this is such a great topic because I think for, for us as educators, right, we always are looking at data because we want data to, to drive instruction, right? Um, and I know people have that opinion like you just shared. Well, this is my personal faith. You can't judge me. You can't. Well, well actually, no, no, we, we can assess. We can use that information because not only is it good for us to know what students know or don't know so that we can help them better form themselves for the future. But sometimes it's really helpful for the teacher uh, to know where, where, where's my weaknesses? What am I not covering well? What, what do I need to help these students better understand in the area of accompaniment, in the area of, of the Eucharist, uh, in the area of sacraments, right? What, what aspect um, do we need to further develop? How would we know that if we're not assessing our our students, um, I, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be opposed to assessing teachers, right? Really making sure that teachers have an idea of where they stand, not not so they get graded or or determined whether or not uh, this this affects their employment. No, no, no. About improving, about forming, about getting better and better. That's what that's what I would say 
is at the heart of 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 the assessments. It's about it's about improving people, informing them to be better Christian witnesses. And and they can't do that if they don't know it, right? You can't give what you don't have. So unless we know that they have been formed and they they have the knowledge, the understanding, but really at the end of the day, the part about uh, actually the implementation of their faith and the the conversion of heart that metanoia experience that that deep conversion um, mm -hmm. we can see that even through our assessments because we can see whether or not students truly understand the trinity they understand who god is right um, so i i really believe that uh the acre the the assessments of students uh, really will drive the way we teach our curriculum um, as educators in the faith, because the faith is is also um, a, it, it, it also has to be taught, right? Like you were saying, yes, yes, I can give you grade. There is doctrine, and and there are things that are true. And and as I said much earlier in our conversation, we have the truth, and and honestly. Uh, we need to assess whether people know the truth. And if they don't, we need to help them understand it. So, so I think NCEA uh, RISE, especially here when we're talking about ACRE, um, I think is essential, uh, not just for the growth of, of our students, but for the growth of our schools um, and for our church uh, sustain with sustainability into the future, that, that the Catholic Church uh, will, will be on a better foundation uh, by assessing where our students stand, what they know, and what they believe. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And uh, as a former high school religious studies chair, I used the Acre as well, and it, it did it did what it was intended to do. It is a cumulative and formative instrument to help build curriculum and instruction. And something that I've I've learned in in my position with NCA is there isn't a there's an adult equivalent to the acre the IFG the information for growth like the acre it follows a strict blueprint in alignment with the four pillars of the catechism of the catholic church the five tasks of catechesis and so uh, there's a great correlation if schools and parishes for their religion teachers and catechists are using both the ACRE and the IFG. Uh, but I agree with you, both the part one of the ACRE, the cognitive domain, right? What do our kids know about the faith? Um, do they know what the Immaculate Conception is? But the affective portion, the part two, it really measures those practices, perceptions, beliefs. What do they really think about the faith? And all, also other aspects of the climate and culture of the school. Um, you and I have been talking a lot about relationships and community is essential to uh, to fortifying and advancing our our beautiful mission as, as Catholic educators. So, well, Deacon Scott, we're going to wrap up here. It's been uh, a, a quick 20 minutes. I very much appreciate your time, and I, I hope to see you in this 2023 year. Um, I'm going to give you the last word. You've got the you've got the ears of the world. You've got um, you're at the you're at the lectern of of the globe. I'm going to give you the last word. What would you like to say to our listeners? Thank you. I I think the most important is that we recognize that the accompaniment that we provide to students and families is essential 
for those families to truly encounter Jesus because right now in our day and age, we might be the only Jesus they encounter today, tomorrow, this month, or this year. Because really, by our baptism and the virtues that we've received and the gifts of grace that God's given us, we become the hands and feet of Christ to the world. And hopefully, we can do that well so that our faith can expand throughout the world. So thank you so much for what you're doing, what NCEA is doing, and I'm so glad to be a part of this great institution uh, that serves the Catholic, Catholic schools throughout the country. We may be the only Jesus that our kids meet. I think that is the quote of the episode. <laughs> so you, you finished with a grand slam, my friend. Good job, Deacon Scott. Well, we want to thank Deacon Scott Conway, Superintendent of Diocese of St. Augustine, for being our guest. And thank you for listening to this episode of NCA Rise podcast. NCA Rise is our family of religion and community assessments assisting schools and parishes in the advancement of our beautiful Catholic identity and mission. God bless you all for all you do for all those you serve. Thank you.